In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father, Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. In his a second letter to the Corinthians, well, the second one we have in Scripture, I lost one in between 1 and 2 Corinthians, but anyway, St. Paul exhorts his listeners, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit and make holiness perfect in the fear of God. But we have this um, exhortation of St. Paul to cleanse ourselves. And there's a goal. St. Paul constantly encouraging the people, seek God, seek a holiness, a certain perfection to the level possible. And this in the fear of God, he says. Of course, the fear of God, we must understand, is, um, is a holy thing. It's a respect for the, the the, the glory of God, the, the, the perfection of God. It's, in a sense, we would be afraid to offend God who is so good and so loving, who has created us. It's, of course, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fear of the Lord. Let's understand that well. And what are these promises that, that St. Paul refers to? Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. It's going to be worth it to make the effort to receive these promises of the Lord. And what has the Lord just said to the, what St. Paul mentioned? We are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and move among them, and I will be their God and they will be my people. This is what we're after. This is the, the, the goal worth fighting for, worth cleansing ourselves for. God will be ours. And we will be temples. One of his other letters, the first, 1 Corinthians, Paul writes, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies, our very bodies. Let's remember, my brother, we, we are soul and body. We're not dualists. Oh, the spiritual is, is good and pure and real, whereas the body is, is, is you know, Sort of, sort of evil, right? Uh, it's in the way of our holiness. Well, no, we are soul and body. In our, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. And we have been created by a loving God, a loving and all-knowing and all-powerful God. We are made in the image and likeness of God. And so to follow God, to be with God, we have to keep that in mind that he has made us, he has created us. He has something in mind for us. I wouldn't say God micromanages our lives. I think he respects our freedom and in different pursuits that, that we go after, noble pursuits. Some of you might be aiming toward a, a profession in the sciences or others in, in the liberal arts or whatnot. 
So I mean, God will be happy with whatever we choose, I suppose, as long as we give him our best. And of course, as long as we follow the ways of the Lord. That we realize that we are temples of the living God, as St. Paul says here, or another, again, another place where temples of the Holy Spirit. And, and yes, therefore, what we do, to put it bluntly, what we do with our bodies is very important. It, it's, it, it brings us into this world of God's desires for us, of holiness, our vocation, our call. And at times, because of our fallen human nature, we can drift away from the plan of God for us. And that holy God, this is God's will for you, your sanctification. And of course, sin gets in the way of that. Sin is an aversion of God, going away from God. It's a, it's, it's a caving in on ourselves. And so, Lord, with your help, we'll, we'll make that effort to follow you, to live the life of a lover of God. We have in, in the Psalms uh, a wonderful uh, uh, path, the song of, of, of life, and God is the very first psalm. In a certain sense, it sums up what, you know, what we should do, the way we can try to live out this great dignity as being sons of God. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That's the way the Lord is leading us. That, that's the way to a successful life, if, if we can say that. What is a successful life? Ultimately, it is to conform our lives to Jesus Christ. Ultimately, to get to heaven and to be with God forever in heaven. And that we do day by day here as we journey this earth. We are wayfarers on this earth. We are in the time of trial right now, every moment is a time of trial for us. And Lord, we want to win. We want, like St. Paul, we want to run the race. We want to fight the good fight. That's what holiness is about. We can conform ourselves to Christ. Jesus, who went from town to town, town to village, preaching the good news, speaking of the kingdom of God, this is important. And those apostles, those holy women, accompanied him. They worked with him in that, in that great news that had to be spread and lived. And so, Lord, here we are. We come this, to this, uh, this oratory here in Manhattan to pray. Is, Lord, we do want to be in your presence and to delight in your law, as Psalm 1 exhorts us. We want to be successful. <laughs> we want to be saints. And living this way, this life of Christ, this imitation of Christ, 
We are like a tree, the Psalm 1 continues, like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. He succeeds. The man, the woman close to Christ succeeds. And again, success is life in Christ. It's, it's getting to heaven. It's not having everyone shower accolades upon us or you know, looking better than the next guy or always you know, getting that, that next promotion. I mean, fine, if that's what, if that's what uh, justice demands, great. And hopefully we can do a lot of good you know, with, in our place in the work that we have. But success is, is being close to Christ. It's living a holy life. It's living that unity of life, that, that, that integrity. And that re requires a great unity of our body and soul. In our, our culture today, in a special way, we have to remember that. You know, for some, the body is just simply a, a means of pleasure. My mind, you know, my soul, that's who I really am, but I'll use my body, I'll, I'll do what I want with my body. Well, we're not dualists. Jesus, you took on our flesh. True God and true man. The mystery of God. So much so that some of the early heresies sprang precisely from the rejection of God becoming man. How can that be? That God lower himself to our level with a body, with flesh, we're getting tired and fatigued. Well, that's that's the way God that's the way God did it. In His wisdom, He became one of us, like us in all things, but sin. As Saint as Saint Paul writes, and so let's again we, we need to, let's fight the good fight to um, to walk in the ways the law of the Lord. And some people they don't want to even hear that. They don't want to hear anything about laws or, or, or discipline. I'll, I'll do what I want with my body. It's mine. Yet Bishop Barron mentions in one of his talks this metaphor about a river. You think of a, a, a good, strong river, a raging river, a lot of power, the waters are flowing down the river, clean water. It's, it's just it's a sight to behold. There's a certain power about it, a certain fear of getting too close, perhaps, the stronger the river is. Well, for that to happen, for that river to, to be that way, it needs boundaries. It needs riverbanks. It needs laws. And just think, if that river, those raging waters, could have a mind of, of their own and say, well, I, I don't like to be restricted. I don't want to have to stay within these riverbanks here. Now, get rid of them. Okay, let's take away the riverbanks. Then what happens? Okay, the water just spreads out. And it, it slows down. The power is lost. It just 
it just becomes stagnant. It stops. You know, first maybe a lake, but pretty quickly a swamp because it rejected its riverbanks, its discipline. Well, that's just a metaphor for our own lives in a way. We need the discipline. We need the law of God to help us go forward, to be clean, to, to make a difference, to have certain power, and to serve you know, the power to, to follow God and to serve our fellow man. And not the power to, of course, to oppress or anything like that. And so, Lord, help us to embrace your laws, the law of love. We see time and time again how Jesus talks about the love he has for the Father, the Father for the Son. And what does the Father ask of the Son? And we go to Good Friday and we see. And, and Jesus even asked the Father, Father, if you will, take this cup from me. That's human nature at work. Jesus is truly human. He doesn't want to suffer that torture. But not my will, but your will be done. That's the way of Jesus, the will of the Father. And as, of course, as we know as Christians, it's precisely through that suffering, it's, it's a mystery, but through that suffering, Jesus opens the gates of heaven. But take away that suffering, it, it wouldn't have been. There's like taking away the riverbanks, taking away the discipline, taking away the ways of the Lord. And so let's pray to be closer and closer to Jesus, the way of Jesus. And, and the prophet Ezekiel, he has those words, Lord, Take this heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. Help me to really love. Help me to live. Help me, my soul and body, to form a unity, to be that unity, which is a son of God, a daughter of God. Help me take this heart of stone that I have and convert. Because sometimes I do. Now protect my, my whims, my preferences, even my sins. Make it, we make excuses, we make rationalizations for our sins. But, no, Lord, give me a heart of flesh. Help me to really love. And, and part of that will be the ability to suffer. Precisely through his sacred humanity, taking on our humanity, Jesus is able to suffer. St. Catherine of Siena and her Dialogues. She, she she writes that. Well, it's basically, you know, she's in ecstasy and what God is saying to her. You know, the Father cannot suffer. The Father has no flesh. It's the Holy Spirit does not suffer in that way. The Son, the second person of the Trinity, has flesh. Has taken on our flesh and was able to suffer. If such was His love. God so loved the world that He sent His only Son. And so, Lord, we ask you to, for the grace to live this unity of life, this unity of life ourselves, to be willing to suffer. How is my spirit of sacrifice? Do I have a spirit of sacrifice? Do I, am I able to say no to, to little things during the day? Well, just beginning of the day, there's a great chance to imitate Christ. The, 
the heroic minute, getting out of bed on time. There's a little bit of suffering in that, probably. And that's good for us. A little picking up of the cross. And then just getting to work on time. Maybe, maybe that's, it's, time is tight, and I, I wish I had more time to have a nice leisurely breakfast with my friends or family members, but no, I've I got to get to work on time or to class on time. Okay, well, we, do, we try to do it. Life will involve little mortifications, little things. Discipline. We got We want the riverbanks there, if we're going to be an effective river with cleansing waters and certain power, getting somewhere. So we need that discipline. And again, in our world today, which tends to put a bit of emphasis on pleasure and feeling good. And while there are, of course, many noble pleasures, and our Lord wants us to, to rejoice in those and take advantage of them, you know, good company, a good soccer game with friends, or attending a good talk together, or, you know, taking a walk, having a lunch in Bryant Park, or you know, taking a walk over the Brooklyn Bridge. Our Lord wants us to enjoy those things. But, of course, with all with proper moderation, and then the things of, of a sensual nature, sexuality. Sex is a good thing. It's part of the human condition. It's a gift from God for two people, a man and a woman, who make that commitment in marriage to form a family, to be open to children as God deigns. That's a beautiful thing. Body and soul. Indeed, the couple, each spouse, gives himself, gives herself to the other. It's a great unity. The two become one flesh. It's a beautiful thing. The, the church's teaching on sexuality is, is beautiful. And it's very much in keeping with what our Lord has taught us. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, we have this point referring to one of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The pure in heart are promised that they will see God face to face and be like him. Purity of heart is the precondition of the vision of God. Lord, I long to see you. <laughs> also from Scripture. Lord, I long to see your face. We want to see God. Just like Zacchaeus. Yeah, he was short of stature. He wanted to see Jesus, but he couldn't. He was shorter than the others. So what does he do? He says, well, I guess I'll never see Jesus. No, he makes the effort. He goes on ahead, knowing where Jesus is walking, is his path. Is, he goes on ahead and climbs a sycamore tree, and he, he's able to see the Lord. He sees Jesus passing by. He makes the effort. And so, Lord, help us to make the effort to see you. And we want to see you. The pure in heart will see God face to face. This purity is a precondition for the vision of God. So if we feel a, a bit distant from God, we don't seem to see God, well, maybe, maybe we can try to purify our, 
our pride and, and our anger and our lust and really get on track. Just, yes, to embrace the law of the Lord. Even now, the catechism point continues. Even now, it enables us to see according to God, to accept others as neighbors. It lets us perceive the human body, ours and our neighbors, as a temple of the Holy Spirit, a manifestation of divine beauty. This is from the church. This is the church speaking to us. Our mother of the church, the catechisms of the church, telling us about the beauty of a, of a human being, the beauty of a body. Lord, give me purity of heart. Now, of course, we are affected by original sin. And so we have to make the effort. We have to use the means to live purity of heart. We have to guard our eyes for the good of God and for the respect for our neighbor. Now, it's great to have, we have to probably have devotion to our Blessed Mother and to St. Joseph. They can help us to live a purity of heart. Working hard, using our time well. It's a great way to help along this path of purity of heart. Of living little sacrifices. Telling the body, no. Avoiding those frivolous you know, things of pleasure that go overboard. And again, God wants us to enjoy these wonderful things of life. Of course, we'll have a nice you know, dinner after this. You know, meditation and benediction, that's great. Enjoy it, it's just great. You know? But of course, with, with temperance, proper moderation, and what St. Josemaria would call a little bit of salt of mortification, and denying ourselves in some way in, in, in the meals that we have. So these little things of mortification, of telling the body no, it helps us in this effort to be pure in heart and, and to see God, to be a bit like Zacchaeus who goes on ahead, to making make the effort to see the Lord. So if I'm praying to Our Lady, if, if, I, if I'm getting up on time, if I'm avoiding uh, just, uh, just bad websites and, and, and you know, movies and, and books, that's all, that's, we gotta do it. And, and yep, that's, there's, there's the riverbanks. Oh, you know, the church, so, so uh, I don't know, uh, old archaic and old-fashioned and puritanical. No, we want to love God. We want to see God. And there are things out there, lo and behold, that do not help us to see God. And so indeed, it is worth it to make the effort to live purity and to try to see God like Zacchaeus, and to be humble, and also to see God like the woman caught in adultery. And she had been caught in adultery. It was not a false accusation. She had sinned. And she looks to Jesus. Jesus looks upon her. She's completely open to Jesus. She's, she's repentant. She's humble. She's not making excuses. She's not, you know, make, uh, well, okay, as soon as this rabbi guy leaves me alone, I can go get my next, you know, client. Oh, sorry. No. 
She wants to change. And Jesus says, well, go and sin no more. And I think we can count on her really having made that effort. Probably a saint. So let's try to live that way. Because, yes, we might be that one who has fallen into sin. Of course, we shouldn't be surprised at all. But the Lord is rich in mercy. How good God is. that He never gives up on us. And with repentance, with prayer, with confession, Lord, we come back to you. And just with great trust in God, we bring our sins to God. And without any, <laughs> any fear at all, again, the true fear of the Lord is loving God, not, in, not wanting not to offend God. Indeed, there's a great wisdom in that, that man who goes to Jesus. He goes to the fount of, of, of mercy. He goes to confession. There's a, there's, yes, that's part of the discipline that God wants of us. Okay, here's the way. You want to be a clean, strong, raging river? Come to me. Come to me, all you who thirst. I'll give you, I'll give you the living water. Isn't that what happened to the Samaritan woman? Yeah. She had her sins, we find out. You know, five husbands, the one you're with now is not your husband. And she talks to Jesus. She allows Jesus to cure her, to purify her. She truly sees God. Now, at first, in her pride, when she really wasn't opening up, she didn't see him. In fact, Jesus says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is speaking to you, she didn't know he was the, this is the Messiah. When she's sort of stuck in her, you know, her, her pride, hiding her sins from God. But once they start talking, and, and it's clear, okay, Jesus knows her situation. Oh, I see that you're a prophet. And she's relieved. She's just like, okay, I can get, I get, get this off of my soul, and now I can go forward. And she does. She goes back to her village joyful. She leaves her jar behind and goes back to the village. She's able to see clearly. And so we too, Lord, want to see you. And therefore, we want to live all the virtues, including this, this very important virtue of purity, which respects the body. It respects our own body, and it respects the body of others. And, and again, not that we should be surprised if, if uh, you know, we, because we, we trip up, we, we sin. That's, <laughs> you know, we're human. But we're also sons of God. God who loves us unconditionally. God who always calls us back. God who always forgives us if we go to him with humility. And our Blessed Mother will help us with that. St. Josemaria said, to Jesus we always go, and to him we always return through Mary. Well, let's allow our Blessed Mother, who loves us so much. Mary loves, we're all children of Mary. We're at the foot of the cross, Mary was willing to suffer. And, and there was St. John, and we're represented by St. John. And Jesus said, behold your mother. He's saying to each, each one of us, behold your mother, look at your mother. She loves you. She'll take you by the hand and, and lead you to where you need to go, to my mercy. Thank you, Mary, and help us, help us to always live this way. And, and, and yes, therefore, to uh, 
strive to cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit and make holiness perfect in the fear of God. That's what God wants for us because, as he said, I will be your God and you will be my people. That's, that's where we want to be. And again, with, with the help of our Blessed Mother and all the saints, let's keep our journey precisely in that direction. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you've communicated in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.